Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we have Core Hookstra um, joining us on the podcast. Core is the founder and CEO of Amicus Solutions. Amicus is a local Charlotte startup who, um, who's also been through the QC FinTech Accelerator program and continues to build momentum, which is pretty much what led us here today. Uh, Core and his team got some, what I think, some pretty exciting news earlier this year in the spring. And we met in the hallway or we crossed paths or bumped into each other in the hallway at Packard Place soon thereafter and just uh, immediately decided we needed to get together and have a podcast. He's been busy, as you would expect good news for a startup uh, means, which means this thing's been kind of kicked down back here into July. Today, in today's podcast, I want to start out with some basics of the business. So we're going to get some background on what Amicus Solutions is. We're going to get a little bit of background on where the idea came from um, and that type of information. I then want to turn a little bit, want to turn a little bit more into, you know, the QC FinTech Accelerator program and what it's, what it was like for them. And then obviously we, we want to jump into what's the latest good news been, what does it mean for the business, how is that accelerating things, how did he stumble into it, or network or whatever was way into it. Um, next time in our next podcast, we'll leap into a little bit more of the personal experience of Core and then of Core the Entrepreneur and Core the CEO of Amicus, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, really excited about today's podcast. Core, thanks so much for taking an hour and a half out of your day to join us. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate uh, being here. So thank you, William. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, as I said, as we were getting started on this, Core, you know, one of the things that's, that's really helpful for listeners is if you can give us a brief overview, so you know something in the couple minute range of what Amica Solutions is today. Um, you and I will kind of hit back and forth a little bit on what may be a started off as, but what is it doing today? What solution is it providing to the marketplace? Um, so. I can actually sum that up in probably about five seconds or less. Oh, but, let's um, expand a little bit. Let's have some fun here. <laughs> so Amicus is a software company, software technology, SaaS, um, that provides a giving platform um, for financial institutions and for community foundations. That's okay. what it does today. We have a much broader vision, but we'll go there next. Um the key there is that financial institutions um, are integrating charitable giving as part of their products and services. That is not necessarily something that new. They have been doing this for a while in the context of the private bank and wealth management divisions for specifically high net worth individuals. But the, the vision uh, with an eye to the uh, 30 trillion transfer of wealth from baby boomers to Gen Xers and millennials um, makes it a very compelling business case for the banks to venture into this domain. Um, for the community foundations, the functionality that we provide are, um, in essence, customer-facing, and their customer 
you know, basically is comprised of uh, different uh, constituents. That said, um, if I was to summarize it, the capability that we enable for them is specifically related to donor portal, so digital presence, uh, online giving, and a grant management capability. And that is specifically with an eye to the involvement of next generation donor and an opportunity for co-funding of grants. What we are seeking to accomplish by way of this platform is to uh, provide collaboration opportunities between the community foundation and the banks um, and at the same time uh, providing digital giving tools to not just high net worth individuals but to all customers of the bank uh, that would allow everyone regardless of socioeconomic status to bring out their inner philanthropist. Okay. Um, is it a white label product or how? Yes. It is? Yes. So almost always. So you're essentially offering a solution on the back end that they'll come in and buy and then brand with their own label on the. That is correct. And, you know, the platform is architected as such that there's a, a myriad of ways of, of accomplishing just that. Okay. So looking at your LinkedIn profile and, and also knowing a little bit about you, um, you. You've been technically working on Amicus for almost two years now, at least according to LinkedIn. Um, when did the idea actually come to you, though? The uh, So I need to give credit where credit is due. The, the idea and vision behind Amicus was not mine. Okay. Um, it was the idea of um, my co-founder, Walt Ruloff, okay. um, who lives in Vancouver, Canada. Okay. Uh, Walt is one of these very unique individuals, serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm now going to date myself. We go back 25 years, uh, early 90s. Walt, so toddlers. Yes, yeah. Walt, exactly. Um, Walt started a uh, logistics software company mm -hmm. in Toronto. I was employee number nine. And uh, we grew that business to about 500 people in five years. Oh, wow. The the Hallmark, it was based in Toronto, the Hallmark deal was UPS. I ended up uh, moving to Atlanta. We ended up disrupting the third-party logistics industry okay. at that time and uh, sold the business to i2 Technologies. Walt was approached by representatives of World Vision uh, during a meeting of philanthropists, the gathering. And this particular person approached him uh, with a plea, not with an idea, but with a plea to introduce the supply chain capabilities that we helped uh, put on the map into the global aid space. Um, Walt ran from that for 10 years. Uh, he started, built, and sold three companies during that time. And then he finally acquiesced due to steady influence of his wife, ah. uh, who is a saint in my books, uh, and one of his mentors, to, uh, to go back to that conversation that he had at the gathering. And so he started following the space um, and conceived the idea for Amicus, which, if I was to sum it up, is to bring digital transformation to the nonprofit space. But the paradox is that you cannot think of the nonprofit as your end customer. The business model, therefore, is donor-centric, which is why 
in our first MVP, we chose to create a giving platform for financial institutions and community foundations to really um, mobilize philanthropic capital uh, at scale at a, at a fraction of the cost that the typical nonprofit um, you know, uh, pays today. Um, Walt approached me, back to your original question, four years ago <laughs> um, while I was running the Oracle practice at IBM in North America. And um, it, my response was laughter. Yeah. Uh, Walt said, Core, I'm starting this uh, new company. We're creating a new category of software for nonprofit, and you're coming with me. <laughs> and um, I said, Walt, you're nuts. Yeah. And um, no, I'm not coming with yeah. you. <laughs> he, he, Give me two years and then I'll do he, it, right? Yeah. He, he asked me to, uh, to be an advisor, uh, which I had to get permission for from uh, legal, IBM. Sure enough, <laughs> they, they granted that permission. And so, you know, one thing led to another. The moment of truth for me was uh, in the summer of 16, I had... Uh, agreed to join on an interim basis, but continued upon completion of, of, of fundraising. And so I was pitching to a VC in the Valley, and uh, I, I remember it well. I was sitting at the, uh, at the Hilton Union Square, San Francisco, and we were asking people for significant checks, and he looks at me and he goes, Cor, how much of a flight risk are you? And I go, what do you mean? And uh, he says, what are the chances that you're going to end up doing something else? And so that's the moment the shoe dropped for me. I realized, okay, I cannot be half pregnant. Yeah. Either I'm going to do this or not. And so it was a very difficult decision to leave IBM, um, even harder to execute um, because I, uh, you know, my, my, my manager and boss is among the top 100 and I adore her to, you know, whatever extent that's politically correct these days yes. to say that. Um, Especially for a married man to yeah, say that, yes. Yes, uh, but I, you know, in the most yeah. professional sense. I get that. Um, and so um, it's, it's, been, it's been a journey. Yeah. yeah. So um, I hinted at it a second ago. You're married. Uh, you've got a you, summer of 2016. You've got a nice job at IBM. Mm -hmm. um, you've had a nice job in software for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, you come back one day from a trip to San Francisco and you say, well, you know, wife, I've made this decision. I'm going to leave this great job that I've, um, I've grown into in a career over the course of the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you're coming with me. How does that go? It didn't go quite like that, <laughs> um, I um, I didn't inform my wife. Um, my wife strongly encouraged me. Okay. Um, and if it wasn't for that, I would not be sitting across from you okay. uh, today. So we were at a very kind of unique um, time of transition in our lives, in the sense that uh, we have. Uh, been married for 26 years, but uh, we have two uh, wonderful children. Uh, they both graduated and are employed. So um, millennial, but did not move home, which I consider quite an accomplishment. Yes, well done. Um, so 
And there's a story behind that, but uh, we'll save that for maybe the second part of the podcast. Um, the kind of the pivotal moment for me to to jump out of the IBM plane without a parachute was a conversation that I had with a with a very dear friend of mine, uh, David Johnson, who um, he's director for Silent Images. I serve on his board. And David told me, he says, Cor, everything, you know, up in your life has kind of prepared you for this moment. He says, if you don't do this, you will be, because this is, this is in your wheelhouse. And um, if you don't do this, you will be wandering for the rest of your days if you could have made it work. Yeah. Um, so it was that... Um, combined with um, a desire to make a transition from simply doing a job to finding more of a vocation, right? Which I think is at the heart of a social entrepreneur. You, you not only want to start a new business and everything that is associated with that, you, you really want to build something that uh, has the potential to leave a lasting legacy. And I think those two things combined um, led my wife to say, I think you should do this. And it was with some trepidation um, that, you know, I made the jump. Yeah, so, so David encourages you, tells you it's within your wheelhouse. From a technology perspective and from your past experience from the logistics side, mm -hmm. it certainly seems like something that you can execute. But we're going to pick you up from technology and logistics and we're going to move you to technology, logistics, and charity. Um, how big of a transition was the charity? I mean, that's a, it's a completely different world, right? I mean, um, how long has that taken you to learn that world? It, it actually, um, it's a transition, but um, the one thing that perhaps doesn't come across on my LinkedIn profile is that my very first job out of college, I ran a nonprofit. Uh, that's, for, that's, that's excluded from your yeah. For, um, for two and a half years. Um, and I, it's kind of a longer story, but it was a nonprofit in the inner city of Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada, just slightly due north of Fargo, which yeah. most folks are, uh, I'm sure, familiar with. At least the name. But it started, uh, that started as a six-month consulting engagement. I ended up running the place. Probably the hardest thing that I've done in my career. And so I was uh, very well acquainted with the nonprofit side and the challenges that those organizations face. Um, but also, over the last 10 years, I had an opportunity to travel in uh, places, various places in East Africa, and firsthand witnessed um, the challenges that organizations like Samaritan's Purse, which are headquartered just yep. due north of us, face in the field. They are literally uh, running operations with uh, clipbooks uh, and very little help of digital, you know, uh, automation and tools. So. Uh, it wasn't too much of a leap. The The larger leap was this. We, as a startup, and this was in part due to the influence of QC FinTech, we made the classic pivot. 
because our choice was, do we start with a next generation supply chain capability for the nonprofit, or do we start with a giving platform for large financial institutions and community foundations and eventually corporations as well? And that was a moment of truth because when I joined, um, we had little money left in the in the bank. It was uh, we we'd spent significant dollars um, on concepts um, and system design, and we made a decision. I made the decision to start building product, and um, there was some internal resistance. But then you have only so much runway, and you have to put everything on black or red. You can't do both. And QC FinTech allowed us to test market market validation for the concept that we had drawn up on the board as it pertains to the giving platform. Um, and so we made that pivot in February of 17 and we created an, basically a high performance, we were lucky. Um, we retained a high-performance development team in Tel Aviv, Israel uh, as employees of Amicus. And within seven months, uh, we went from concept to product and launched with our partner, GiveClear. Okay, awesome. So take me back for a second. You did QC FinTech Accelerator in spring of 17 or was it fall of 16? It was spring of 17. So you did spring of 17. Um, why? I mean, did you do it? So you've got an experienced serial entrepreneur, um, co-founder. Um, why? Good question. The why actually is really simple. Um, even though I have lived for 15 years in Charlotte, I've never worked in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, I've basically did the plane, train, automobile uh, every single week. So uh, QC FinTech allowed me to do Two things. Uh, one, get re-grounded in the Charlotte business community. Mm -hmm. Two, allowed me a very rapid access to decision makers in our target market, okay. and specifically banks. Um, you ended up with some good advisors from uh, the Tia Krefs of the world and whatnot as well, correct? Correct. Which really, I mean, they've got a, um, a donor advice platform. And it, so for you, it was a perfect natural fit into introduction and handshakes to the people you needed to meet. Absolutely. Um, and it basically led, we, we are now, um, you know, very much involved with uh, the Carolina FinTech Hub. Mm -hmm. um, there's significant relationships that are happening with the sponsors. Okay. Uh, of Carolina FinTech Hub, but I, I I will say QC FinTech Hub was instrumental in providing the foundation for the current relationship that we have with Wells Fargo. Which, okay, seems like an eternity. So we go from spring of 2017, um, you launch your product in the fall of 2000, fall, early winter, fall of 2017 as well, mm -hmm. um, with the help of the team over in Israel, uh, so you've got your product, and then so you're bumping along. You've got some good news, right? You're taking baby steps and everything, and then boom, or at least to the outside world, it seems like boom. Um, you get this great news that hits in April. Is that right? April, May? Um, what is it? 
go ahead and share with I mean, everybody knows what it is. So, um, Amicus, so what it is is Amicus uh, was accepted into the accelerator program for Wells Fargo, yeah, um, which we announced in May. May. It wasn't a boom. Um, as many people and many entrepreneurs, uh, fellow entrepreneurs, can appreciate, nothing happens very fast in the uh, uh, the financial. You mean the phone didn't just ring one day and no, then it made no? No, not quite like that. Uh, we had been in conversation with Wells Fargo for the better part of a year, if not 18 months. Um, the, our coaches and mentors as part, as part of QC FinTech were uh, very instrumental uh, in brokering that dialogue. Um, and the, you know, we re- basically, you know, in order to become part or to be accepted uh, as part of the accelerator, um, which is highly competitive. I think they've accepted 19 applications um, or 19 companies out of 1,800 applications. You're talking now. We're talking we're on Wells Fargo. On the Wells yep. Fargo side. So, um, the, <clears throat> the 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 process um, was, uh, you know, uh, was basically was long. But the, the key, uh, the pivotal point was really the acceptance or the acceptance from one of the, the business divisions or line of businesses. Yep. Um, for, you cannot enter the accelerator unless you have the sponsorship of a line of business. That decision um, basically happened just prior to Christmas, 17, okay. um, which then led to basically subsequent events, um, you know, which in May were announced publicly. So to the outside world, it seems like, bam, all of a sudden you just got accepted into the Wells Fargo Accelerator Program. Mm -hmm. In reality, relationships were built 18 months ago, which slowly led into a sponsorship in December, which then puts you on a path to potentially, not even guaranteed, potentially be accepted into the program. Right. So what does it mean? Um, what does it mean for Amicus over the course of the next six or 12 months? What's, what, does it, what does it alter and allow you to do as a result? It, um, it's game-changing, I mean, two words. Um, because what it represents is Wells Fargo is our first uh, institutional investor, a minority investor in Amicus. And uh, alongside with that, it provides us with a partnership opportunity with um, the private bank uh, to accelerate the development of our platform, um, which is you know tailored in that particular context to donor advised funds. So um, not only that, Wells Fargo is unique in the sense that they encourage you to uh, cast a broad and a wide net um, with other uh, financial services companies. So in that sense, it's non-exclusive. So it's the best of both worlds. Oh, so you're not tied to only working with Wells Fargo as your end client for the next five years. You are still enabled and encouraged, for that matter, Mm -hmm. to go out and continue to broaden your base. But, you know, given the... um, the innovation that happens within the bank itself and an opportunity to directly connect with that uh, puts you on a fast track 
to uh, to create a product that um, resonates with the primary st the stakeholders, right? Um, that you're intending to target. So I'm familiar with the QC FinTech Accelerator program, right? 12 months on the, uh, 12 months, 12 weeks on the ground here in Charlotte. You've got access to mentors and advisors. Tell us a little bit about what you're experiencing on the Wells Fargo. What's that? What's the difference between that accelerator program? So um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very different. Uh, it's almost comparing apples to oranges. Uh, so it's, it's not a classic accelerator program in the sense that you would expect mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a cohort um, and a structure. The Wells Fargo Accelerator, um, think of it as a unique opportunity, almost like a streamlined onboarding path to become a supplier to the bank. Okay. And that is why the sponsorship of the line of business is key. Okay. Quite frankly, you won't get admitted into the accelerator program unless that is a reality. That said, the accelerator allows the team members of Wells Fargo to do a further level of diligence, right? So you work in very close partnership um, with the team members, uh, the Digital Innovation Lab and, and other groups. Um, there's an opportunity to do very targeted networking. Uh, there's an opportunity to also uh, learn from companies that have gone before us. Yeah. Um, and um, there is a significant lift, obviously, just from a credibility perspective, uh, in terms of the conversations that we are now having with other financial institutions. Okay, so the um, the credibility that you gain, we'll pick on the other bank that's here in town now. I mean, Bank of America, um, you get to walk next door from Wells Fargo to Bank of America and say we've been accelerated into the Wells Fargo Accelerator Program, um, which gives us legit legitimacy, right? Mm -hmm. So, which is a huge boost. Mm -hmm. um, your competitor accepted us, you should too. Right. That helps. Yes, yeah. it, it helps a whole lot. Yeah, no, so. I imagine so. Um, have you made it? Um, or are there still hurdles to clear? That's a really difficult question to answer, hence my hesitation. That's have the reason we, I asked it. <laughs> uh, well, have, we, have we made it? I'm not sure. I, that you've ever that you, that you really ever make it as um, as a startup, you know the, the you know the the typical definition of making it is um, for a lot of folks I think uh, some sort of liquidity event. Yeah, that's not why we started this business. Walt and myself are you know seeking for Amicus to be Amicus a hundred years from now. We want to. Uh, we want for this company to, we want to pass this company to the next generation to truly make a worldwide difference. Um, and I say that with, you know, the utmost humility. Um, that said, we, the analogy that I use is, um, is one of, again, you know, we, we talked about jumping out of the plane we're now, you know, as you are, as an entrepreneur, when you jump out of a plane, the ground approaches fast. It moves very fast. As you are falling, 
you operate in such a way that you're basically putting on your jumpsuit you know, as you're falling to, to get some glide. And then as you have your, as you're gliding, you, you know, you seek to get some propulsion. And so the stage that we're at now is we're a small plane. We have lift. We have transformed into a small plane. We're still clipping treetops yeah. from time to time. <laughs> we're a little heavy and we're a little light on fuel. Yeah. But we have lift and we are flying, right? So it's almost like, oh, mm. <laughs> we're flying. This is gonna hurt, yeah. right? So now we're seeking to basically build out the plane into a 737 yeah. and take on the world, quite yeah. frankly. And so, um, you know, you, you likely are gonna ask me how many times you considered quitting. Um, the that tra making that transformation and you know from going from free falling or what feels like free falling to now flying in a small Cessna plane, um, it's now it's fun. It hasn't always been fun. Um, it's difficult, um, and it uh, because you basically uh, you make significant sacrifices. Um, there's significant risk, but you operate in an extreme degree of uncertainty with no guarantees. And so just plowing through that really takes a lot of heart and courage. And I think that is something why the community element uh, is so important for entrepreneurs and that is why, quite frankly, I cannot say enough good things about QC Fintech and how Dan Roselli has mobilized the community here in Charlotte. Sure enough, Charlotte is a difficult place to raise money. Yes. There's, there's, there's no question. Hopefully that'll change with uh, the Carolina Fintech Hub. But the support from the community has been unparalleled. Um, and so we are very grateful for that. Okay. Um, we're running up on 30 minutes, so let's call it a halt here. Um, I've got, just based on that, I've got probably another hour and a half worth of questions for you. Um, but let's wrap up there, take a quick break. So, you know, thanks for carving out some time for us today again. It's my pleasure. That, was a, that was a cool little segment. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, again, let's, let's prepare, focus next time a little bit more on core the CEO, core um kind of the the person aspect of it and ceo obviously is going to do detail around uh hires um the biggest risks in that free th free th um uh, free fall that you're defining so uh, i want to dig in and that's where we're going to start from next time is what were those risks what was the was the loneliest time in that free fall type of environment so really good interview today excited about part two and um, stick around next time and you know again thanks for thanks for listening to another episode of the Charlotte Angel Connection. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey and Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey and Associates.
The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey and Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.